When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome to the Barca Bloodgrounders podcast. My name is Josh. We are joined by our old pal, Nick. Nick, how are we doing this week? Um, You know, doing all right, all things considered, but it's hard to stay positive these days, unfortunately. I'm hoping you're healthy. Barca you don't have any muscle on. injuries? You know, I, I I do have suffered from muscle injuries in the past, but right now I'm ready to go for Barca if they need me. Fully fit. <laughs> We might. All right. Um, okay. Let's get into it. Do you want to talk about the, uh, and, and this is just where we are as Barcelona uh, supporters, those that cover the team. Do you want to talk about the good loss or the bad loss? Um, I guess we'll just start in the order so we can talk about the good loss first. Cool. All right. Let's rewind a week. Everyone felt good or however many days ago it was post-match. Uh, we lost to Real Madrid, you know, usually heartbreak, but this time we looked competent, right? We, we took it down to the wire. The team looked positive. There were lots of um, good things to take from that match. What were your just kind of your TLDR Nick thoughts from watching Barcelona nearly pull it out against Real Madrid? Yeah, I think anytime that, you know, when Barca does look really good, it starts with them taking the game to their opponent and being really motivated in order to do that. So in, in, the, in the Supercopa, just, well, let's be honest, the first, it wasn't good from the beginning. Like something actually turned on after they were scored on red in, in the beginning. The first 20 minutes were actually looking at that and thinking, oh, it's kind of the same old bar set. And the problem is that they see themselves as being so small that they can't go up against bigger opponents against Real Madrid. But then, you know, something just clicked um, and they kind of grew into the game, which is not something you see a lot. And a lot of teams struggle to be able to do. And then it's like you caught a little bit of momentum. And then all of a sudden it got contagious. And then for the rest of the game, you know, Barca was the better team in this rivalry game. And you saw for, you know, the hope that you got from that was that they would see themselves for what they are again, which is, you know, honestly the greatest club in the world. We can play the best quality of football in the world. Yeah, and I, I think you saw a lot of the um, the talent that I think those internally to the club believe that they have and that um, I think some fans probably believe we have. Like, there's not necessarily the you know, the big name talent, right? That Barcelona has became known for in the 2010s and earlier than that. But there's there's quality on this team. There's quality on this team to be a top two or three team in La Liga and mm-hmm. compete with Real Madrid. Um, and we finally saw that. And then... Um, you know, it's interesting. The, and just like the specifics of that game, because it was very different in terms of like, you know, I think fairly different in terms of the lineup. I think if you have Luke de Jong in the game, you're getting a totally different game than what we saw yesterday. And maybe a part of that was just riding the wave of his like good form and having uh, a good target man in the box who could put in those headers um, and volleys. And that's how Ansu scored as well. And I think, I don't know, part of like the good of what I'm seeing recently and you saw it in the Real Madrid game was like Danny Alves gives really good service 
and it's one of the best ways that we're able to get opportunities. So I don't know that maybe that can continue once we get some of these. I don't, actually, I don't know even know what I'm saying. Like when we get Luke De Jong back, like where did that come from? I never thought I would be saying that <laughs> a, month, a month ago. I mean, listen, the same thing happened with Braithwaite back like a year ago, I guess, where he was kind of a joke coming in. And then it was actually like, we actually kind of need him out there. Like we're better when he's when he's playing. Um, and now Luke De Jong started off the year great. And now just, you know. You just need guys with confidence. About the, so it comes um, down to the most confident players you want to see them play. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's talk about the Bill Bow loss. So, like, obviously not the worst thing in the world to get knocked out of the cup at this stage, right? Uh, I think that's always a conversation teams on the fringe of their own uh, domestic leagues have, right? Is it better to get knocked out of the cup so you can focus on the league? Uh, but the cost of this match was obviously um, the injury stuff, and we'll talk about the injury-related problems later. In terms of the play on the pitch, what stood out to you from the Bill Bow loss? You know... For all, you can say a lot of things about Xavi as a manager, but when you ask him what happened at the end of the game, he almost always encompasses it perfectly. Like his ability to analyze what the problem was is almost perfect. And by the way, for the last year, Barcelona's played Athletic Club a lot. There have been a lot of matches, and it's the same thing every time, whether they lose or not. With Marcelino, ever since he came about over a year ago, they are an extremely intense and physical team, which is always with the ethos of the club to some extent, but they come out and, you know, sometimes they'll get tired. They can't sustain it for a full game. But their intention is to press high up the field, which is fascinating because Barcelona's whole ethos is that they can play out of the back and they want to still do that. But what Athletic Club is saying is this is not the Barcelona of old. So if we press super aggressively high up the field, we don't think they're going to be able to handle it. We can cause disruption. We can recover the ball. And then so that's strategy number one. And then number two, if Barca does have the ball and if they lose it at any point, they are in trouble. And it almost seemed like Jordi Alba was being targeted from the beginning with Nico Williams. So those are the two things, press high with intensity up the field. And when they Barcelona loses the ball, attack quickly on the counter and, you know, attack, you got Dani Alves who's old in one wing and then Jordi Alba on the other, who's just not able to keep up with these fast players. And tactically that worked. It was kind of a masterclass for Marcelino. Yeah, I mean, one of uh, Jill's five talking points was Jordi Alba has a nightmare, and his name is Nico Williams. Oh, wow. Um, yep. The, the uh, he, let's see, just some of the stats. Uh, Alba lost the most balls, 33. I, I don't know how that number's real. Um, missed 23 passes. Uh, he did make 13 recoveries, but yeah, the 13 year gap between the two of those was definitely prevalent. Um, Let's talk about a couple of the positive things. Uh, Ferran Torres, he scored. Great. Someone we bought scored. What, what were your thoughts from uh, Ferran Torres' debut? Um, I think he needed that because he kind of showed exactly what he gives to the club. Uh, the first we played against Madrid in the first half, I think Xavi actually made a mistake. He wasn't ready. That was too much all at once. And he looked totally invisible for the first half. So then you're asking, is he just out of the, in the wrong position? Or, oh my God, this guy is expensive. What are we going to get from him? Uh, but two things to take from that. One, if the reason he was brought in is because he is freaking clinical in the, in the final third, like he will put balls away, give him one chance. And up to the 65th minute of the game, Barca had one shot on goal. And it was the goal that was scored by Ferran Torres. He doesn't need a lot of space. If he's inside the box, he knows how to find the back of it. And that's huge for this team right now. 
even if the rest of the game he's kind of invisible, he doesn't do too much. One thing I did notice a little bit though is his moving up the ball is pretty good. He does like to make runs. What um, but if you can score goals at the end of the day, if you're quiet the rest of the game, you still are going to get accolades because you made an impact. Uh, but what I take from that is I think what Pep Guardiola, Luis Enrique, and now what we are seeing is that he really wants to be in the middle. He does not want to be on the wing. He does a lot better. And actually that could work to Barcelona's benefit going forward. Yeah, that's why I called it his debut because in the first match, it's like I didn't understand what he was doing. Kind of like I, it felt like it was just a debut for the sake of a debut. So do you think it was his placement that made the biggest difference? Yeah, like, well, technically was Jude Klopp playing in the middle yesterday to start. I think there was some fluidity about who was going where. But when you kind of build up the field and you can have someone in the box that can navigate that final third and get into a position, super tight space, that shot. He received it, one quick touch, extremely tight space, and just curled it right in. So um, I'm not sure if he actually started on the left wing or in the middle technically, but I think we're going to see him playing in the middle a lot going forward right now. Um, And it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, Well, we'll talk about Dembele pretty soon because you're going to need to have other people who can play the wings, you know, to give service and to make that work. It's kind of, you know, depend on being healthy and having other options who can play the wings. Uh, But to me, it's really clear that he can be effective there. And uh, his reputation seems to be true, that if you give him a chance, he's going to score goals. So let's talk about the injury stuff. Um, I think early reports are that Pedri's, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Pedri's injury is like a muscle injury and that it probably won't be as bad. Um, the The biggest concern is obviously the the Fatsi injury just because I think it looked kind of bad. And then he, you know, the photos of him walking off in tears are obviously not uh, not the best. And I guess we can hope maybe that's him, you know, being pessimistic you know in the moment being worried in the moment uh and that it's not as bad uh early reports are talking about two months maybe although i don't know how there are reports because the tests haven't been done yet at least as far as i'm aware uh just kind of what are your thoughts from the injury situations that barcelona sustained late in this match um yeah i mean it's 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 devastating and these are two players who literally just came back and uh so it's definitely concerning what i will say is i think the doctor, Ricard Pruna, the new bringing him back, Chavi wanted him on the medical staff. He kind of just started. And my question would be um, how he diagnoses this and not just like as an injury, but did they come back too quickly? And now that he's there to oversee things, will can we have more confidence that players will come back when they're ready? Uh, obviously, some players are just injury prone, and that's the worry with Ansu. From what I saw, you know, he's just devastated because any injury is, is horrible because it just psychologically it messes with you. It might be a few weeks. I'm not exactly sure what the final word is. And Javi said Pedris wasn't too serious. But if we escape this with, like, you know, just very a very mild injury, uh, there needs to be a really a careful attention paid to what's going on and what the recovery should be. Those two players are way too important. Pedri just has come back in these last couple of games looking fantastic. He needs to play. I forgot about his, like, quality for a second and what he can do for the team. And Ansu scores goals. I mean, can you imagine Ansu and Ferran Torres, if they are what we think they are, which are goal scorers? That could really change the team. So he needs to come back healthy and just do the best you can uh, to stay positive and support him at this time. Yeah, uh, let's talk about um, just like not a fun topic in general. It's been kind of, I don't know, it's been more up until the last week, kind of like, 
not salacious, but just like online gossip about, you know, will he, won't he, what are they going to offer him? What are they not going to offer him? Um, the Usman Dembele situation. So I'll just read off the um, uh, his Instagram post. So he was asked to leave the club. Uh, he said on Instagram, quote, I am 24 years old and like every man, I have flaws, imperfections. I have lived through complex moments, injuries, COVID has affected me. Without the slightest training session, the coach has requested me and I have always um, complied without questions, perform as well as I have always done. And is, it is my passion. I'm fully aware of my luck to dedicate myself to the most beautiful job in the world. My message is transparent. I forbid anyone to give the impression that I am not involved in the project. I forbid anyone to attribute intentions to me that I've never had. I forbid anyone to speak for me or my representative whom I fully trust. Still under contract, I'm fully involved and at the disposal of my club, my coach, and I'm not a man who cheats and even less a man who has a habit of giving into blackmail. Some yeah. accusations there. I, as you know, there are negotiations. I let my agent handle it. It's his field. My field is the ball, playing football, sharing moments of joy with my teammates and the supporters. Above all, let's focus on winning. Um, Barcelona were warned by the Professional Footballers Association in Spain about their treatment of Dembele. They issued a statement saying Barcelona might be breaking the law if they try to pressure the forward. Um, that's a lot. Uh, you, you wrote about Dembele in Barcelona this week. What, um, what are your thoughts on the situation right now? What I wrote about had to do 100% with the coverage in the media of Dembele, first and foremost. And I do believe there's a connection between especially the local media and the club itself. Um, I know this just because um, I have contacts in Barcelona. I know people who are connected to the club, especially in high positions of leadership, and they are very, very connected to the media. So if they have a narrative they want to get out, that's going to benefit them in whatever kind of negotiation they're having. They are going to report that. And whether it's sport or Mark or, or whatever else, they will just you know, they're just loyal to the people who give them access. That's the point that I made. Um, and if you look at sport right now, as we're speaking, um, what's the headline? Um, a chronicle of all the problems of Dembele over the years. Nothing to do with him as a footballer, okay? So my problem here is Barcelona needs to focus on football, improving their team and the game 100%. We know that Bartomeu made horrible decisions. We know that Dembele was expensive. And he hasn't proven that he was worth what was paid for him. Nobody in the entire world was because we have a market correction going on in the footballing market that no one's going to be sold for that much money anymore. Things are just different now. So my point, I start by saying, you can't make the uh, argument right now that Dembélé should be a future player at Barcelona simply because he knows that in spite of his injuries, he is, and this is my opinion, probably a top 10 talent in the entire world in terms of potential. And their teams across the European market, who will see him that way. Maybe not, but he's betting on himself, and he wants to go in the market and see what he can get. He's probably also has not appreciated the way the negotiations have gone with Barcelona. You know, Barcelona said, here's your offer. It's based mostly on variables. If you're an injury-prone player, you're not going to accept a contract that's based mostly on variables because even he knows that it's a risk. He's 24 years old. This is the best contract you're going to ever get at this age in your entire life. And Barcelona would be smart to say, you know what? We just have conflicting interests right now because we can't take that risk. So let's think of a way, even though you know it was a horrible business decision years ago when we signed you, to make the best out of this like bad situation. And how would you do that? I, I would probably be to keep him on and get the most out of him the next six months. Maybe last summer was a totally different thing and Barcelona lucked out that he got injured and in playing for France in the Euros. I think that's really when they wanted to sell him. 
and they, things kind of fell apart right there. But what's bothered me so much, and I had to write about it, is that the coverage is so unfair, not just to him, but we're seeing it across the world, the way that especially Black players are treated in the media, and as a you know consequence of that, the way they're treated on social media by fans. And a lot of these things are tropes that to me are unacceptable. So if we want to be a club that gets back to being positive on the football field and positive in the club, something that the entire world just envies, we have to hold everybody to high standards. That includes people who we think are trying to do the right thing and drawing the fourth and Alimini, but right now the way they treated Dembele to me should be called out because it's unprofessional in my opinion. Yeah, it goes to the whole point of like, and honestly, the only other, not the only other sport, but the the thing that comes to mind when I think of like, kind of character assassinations like this is it usually happens i noticed it in the nfl when they when a coach gets fired and the team wants to set a narrative and this situation is weird because the belly is still employed by barcelona um there's no and and i guess that's where the you know the professional footballers association getting involved at this stage is so i'm glad they're involved um but you don't usually kind of find this sort of character assassination while you're still employing somebody. That just seems strange to me. I don't necessarily, I don't understand the point of it, I guess, because do they think they're going to drive his value down? It's posturing, I think. I, I think it's a flex. I think John Laporte wants to be the tough guy and Alan Benny wants to be the tough guy. We're not going to be bossed around by players who ask for too much money anymore. And they're trying to show the club and all the supporters that they're tough and they're not going to be pushed around. And that's important. There's a way to say that Bartomeu gave horrible contracts. But if you're a player, you're going to accept a horrible contract if it benefits you. Like, that's not on the player. What they need to do going forward is say, in negotiations, like, we can't give Dembele what he wants. Therefore, we have decided professionally this is no longer a fit. And we're not going to give contracts like that out anymore. That would be an awesome professional way to show that you're tough in order to negotiate and take care of the club. When you do character assassinations to try to, because let's be honest, what I'm proposing is keep him for six months. Let's freaking win Europa League. Let's get that top four finish. Dembele is going to be important to make that happen. And then he's going to walk away for free in the summer. And sometimes you just have to say, it's not about getting every diamond sent out of the situation. What they're really trying to do though, is to character assassinate him to try to get him to go to a different club, maybe get a transfer fee, maybe get his wages off. They're just trying to nickel and dime it to, and also that's part of it. So they can get a little bit of money out of uh, what's left of his contract. But also I think it's just to show to everyone else that they're tough, but I think they're showing it in the wrong way. They're definitely showing in the wrong way. Like what sort of like modern day younger footballer is going to want to go to a club that treats its players that simply want to leave like that? Like what sort of environment is that? Will Will Erling Alland want to come to sign for Barcelona? Oh yes. Um, let me resign. Let me sign for Barcelona, and then when I have a contract negotiation, this is how it's going to go down. Um, and if they don't like me, their character assassinate me, and they'll have the the fans come and mob my car. You know, this is like what it's leading to, uh, and that's the kind of thing where I'm saying we got to lower the temperature. Like these are very complicated problems at the club, and we're in a bit of a hole, and we're not going to dig ourselves out of it without being really focused on what's going on on the training pitch and moving past these really bad things that have happened under Bacchamillo's reign. But yeah, I think your point is really valid. And that's what I was thinking about too. Why would somebody want to sign for Barcelona right now or renew given the way that uh, Dembele has been treated? 
and Umtiti to some extent. <laughs> yeah, and horrible contracts. But yeah, like I, any player is going to accept that. People aren't dumb. I think here's the thing. Here's okay, I want to put it this way, because for the ones who are frustrated with Dumbelay, and I'm going to try to see it from their side and kind of think when I wrote what I wrote and when people are, which I don't think a lot of people are even taking their point of view. I've just seen people piling in Dumbelay. But from their point of view, who are a little bit upset that maybe it's too generous to Dumbelay, there's this romance around the club. And um, Stoikov, he just had a quote that said, Dembele doesn't understand what it means to be a Barcelona player or what it means to be a Barca. So there's this romance around the club that it means something to be a Barcelona, to be more than a club, and that a player doesn't understand it if they're only focused on money. But there's a double standard here because whether we're talking about the Super League or so many things that are going on in international football, it is so much about the money. You, if Dembele is a mercenary, which is everyone's new favorite word, everybody's a mercenary. You can't just call him a mercenary because everybody is in a, you know, in a sport now that makes tons of money. And they have these agents who are kind of ruining the game a little bit with the, with, because they're smart enough to know how to negotiate down the end their end and not let the clubs take advantage of the situations. And the money in the game is ugly and it should be rooted out. It's such a big problem though that goes beyond Dembélé and Barcelona. So there's romance to the club. We want the players to just want to be at Barcelona and that's what it's all about. But realistically, it's kind of a naive attitude and uh, I think it's going to get us into more trouble as opposed to just like recognizing the reality of the world these days and, and figuring out like how Barcelona can maintain that culture that's so great, but also just exist within the world as it exists that none of us like because there's too much greed in the game. It's 1000% a naive attitude because... I think what they're looking at is they're trying to they're trying to put a young kid up against someone like Gerard Piquet or Busquets that like you know they're willing to take a pay cut to stay at the club and I think it's a generational gap honestly like I'm not saying that you know in 15 years Pedri won't take a pay cut if he's been at Barcelona that whole time right but I'm saying mm-hmm. and this isn't just in football I think this is in general like the general public right now for folks on the younger side right is like they know their employer their big employer will drop them in a second if it probably means turning a profit and so they know they have to take care of themselves and if you're Dembele what it means to Mm -hmm. be a Barcelona player like Barcelona would sell him tomorrow if they could would like what does that even mean and so I don't blame him at all and that's actually what they're trying to do some tomorrow yeah me neither and you have to understand there's there's the world is so unfair. Like for me and you, we have normal jobs and we could be fired at will um, for bad performance or for whatever reason. But the thing about being a professional athlete where you have a career that maybe takes you to early thirties, every contract you get is such a big deal. It's your livelihood for the rest of your life. Cause you spent your entire life doing it. And really realistically, most of these players don't go on to have like much of a career in anything else afterwards. So there has to, like what you said, it's just the truth. Like, the club's not going to be loyal to the players and the players know it. And maybe it's because of the representation of these agents. And I think as Barca fans, we have to be romantic because that's beautiful. But we also have to be realistic about how things work these days. Uh, it's the only way forward as sad as it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to be romantic when stuff like this happens because I don't think anyone would think less of the club for like, we we attribute the Dembele, Coutinho, all those crazy signings to 
Bartomeu. And so I don't understand why Laporta feels like he has to be like a strong arm figure. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, I feel like we've gone on circles on this topic. It's just not a good look for Barcelona. Um, it's not a good look as they head into the summer and hope to yeah. <laughs> sign these guys, you know, on free transfers or like, why would Erling Holland even think about coming here? Like if in four years he wants to leave, like this is what's going to happen to him. Um, I, it's just not a good look for anybody. Um, yeah, true. The schedule coming up is uh, a bit intimidating. So Barcelona returns to La Liga play this weekend against Alaves. And then we have a midweek fixture against um, Atletico Madrid. Let me make sure I'm getting this right. Uh, yeah. Um, February 6th, or it's not midweek, February 6th. Is, is that, that's like, that's like two weeks away. That is. There's international okay, so break, yeah, coming up soon. Here. Oh my yeah. gosh. I, yeah, okay. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. So that's actually, that's probably good. So Barcelona have to get a win this weekend. Um, the La Liga table is still pretty close. Like even if they were to lose, uh, heading into the Atletico Madrid match, they could still be within like, I guess like four points. Um, but if you don't want to make that Atletico Madrid match like a do or die, then they have to get a result against Alves this weekend. Uh, especially when you're playing a team in relegation. Um, mm-hmm. What are your just kind of thoughts for the next few weeks of Barcelona? Like, what, what are you expecting from the club heading into that giant match with Atletico Madrid? Well, first and foremost, there's no doubt about it. Like, you just have to beat Alaves, like, 100%. And hopefully not just, like, squeaking out a win. Obviously, the three points are more important than anything else. Uh, but before the international break, you have to um, make sure you take care of business right there. And, and by the way, Betis beat them four to zero last weekend. So if we're competing with Betis, uh, uh, if they can beat Alaves four to zero, like Barcelona wants a statement win, which is why I hope these distractions in the background with everything happening doesn't affect the psyche of the players and they're mentally ready to just do that. You take care of business against Alaves. You know, your Copa del Rey is like symbolic, but to be knocked out, and it really sucks to be knocked out, but the focus is on the top four in the Europa. So after that, you go into the international break with some momentum and hopefully Xavi is good enough to get the guys focused. He's going to have players back. I tr- I don't think, you know, Ansu and Pedri, hopefully, fingers crossed, but even without them, there's a lot of there's been a lot of recoveries. So he's going to have plenty of resources. And by the way, my prediction is that Dembélé is going to be back in February too. This is all just posturing. Uh, so he's going to have plenty of, of weapons to, you know, go in and meet his goals. Uh, I think the big thing coming up is you know being steady now. Got some games. Elche, Alavis, uh, but getting um, actually not Elche. Uh, getting ready for Napoli. To me. That is going to be like the big game. I let it go too because have we um, actually made progress since the last game where we just kind of capitulated and really compete at all? But going into this Europa campaign, um, I think that's Chavi's test as a manager here, and everyone wants to see him do well. And I think he's actually going to be held to the expectation that he does well in that tournament. But Napoli is a good team, one of the best teams in Syria, so it won't be easy. Yeah, it's uh, certainly going to be a next interesting couple of months. Um, Nick, thank you. As always, for joining us, everybody, go check out Nick's piece on BarcelonaBlogRunners.com on the Barcelona and Dembele situation. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you have not done so. So, Nick, appreciate you joining us, man. All right. Thanks, Josh.